down in May But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June Journey, it is so good to see you physically and our online audience. As always, we're so glad that you're joining us out there somewhere. We're all excited to be gathered as the church together. This has been a, a challenging time. Over this season, I had to try to figure out, like, how, how do you preach to a red light in a back of an empty room? And, and just to, like, hear a little bit of the laughter when Brian was up here a little bit earlier. It's like, you know, he's always up here trying to, you know, he says funny things and you say funny things and there's nobody here to laugh. Like, is it funny? Is anybody laughing? It made me think, God, I should have put a little humor in this sermon, but I didn't know. You know, I just, you never know. Um, this has been challenging. This has been for sure a challenging season, uh, things around the pandemic and racial tensions. And I don't know about you all, but before this all unfolded, I had a lot of real challenges in my own life. I had some things that were going on that were really difficult. And so you put all those things together and there's just never been a season in my life as a leader that I've had more challenging things going on. But here's what I've observed. And the thing that makes me excited is that God is still at work. Isn't he? Amen. God is still at work. I see that he's doing things in me. I see he's changing me from the inside out. He's doing things through me. And I'm watching God do amazing things in and through our church as well. Brian mentioned it a little bit earlier. At our Easter uh, gathering that we did online only, we had over 5,000 devices that were tuned in watching that. It's been interesting. During this pandemic, we've actually had the opportunity to grow the influence of our church. There's probably been every day that I go out and about, I run into someone who will say something like, hey, you don't know me, but we found your church online. We love what you're doing. Thanks for your online gathering. And we're saying there are people that we are influencing. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a wedding and talked to a couple like this. It was actually the bride's parents. We're having a conversation and uh, they were talking about how uh, they'd never been to Journey, didn't know me, didn't know anything about our church, but their daughter said, hey, they've got an online thing. Why don't you watch and so they did. And he was just super, super complimentary about the things that he was experiencing, the things that they were learning. He's kind of a big cowboy kind of a guy. After a while, he kind of stepped back and I could tell that he was kind of like looking me up and down and he says, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Such a disappointment. Got to get to the gym. And we've got to be honest, this, this, this whole thing, it's not, it's not over, but... God is still at work. God's got a plan. He's got a redemptive plan that he is working out in this world, a plan to draw people back into a relationship with him. 
And church, that's our job, to partner with him, to be hand in hand, arm in arm with what God is doing in the world to bring people back to a relationship with him. God wants to use me, and he wants to use you in the lives of others. Here's what I would call his plan. I would call it a blessing plan. I couldn't think of a better term to use than that. And here's what I mean by that. Throughout the arc of scripture, what we see is that God says, I'm going to bless a people. I'm going to bless a people and call them to myself. But there's a reason that I'm going to bless them. It's not just for them and them alone. I'm going to bless them so that they can in turn be a blessing to the world around them. That is the arc of what God is doing all throughout scripture. And we see this from the very beginning when we look at Genesis chapter 12. God has this encounter with a man named Abram, later became Abraham. Here's this idea of this blessing, this covenant that he makes with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's God's strategy. He blesses so that we can be a blessing. So if you're out there on social media and you're like all hashtag blessed on your posts, Here's the question that you've got to ask yourself. What has God blessed me with? My time, my energy, my health, talents, spiritual talents, natural talents, money, resources. What has God blessed me with that he wants me to use as a blessing to others? What God wants us to be is a conduit of his grace and his goodness and his blessing to the world around us. And this wasn't just with Abraham in the Old Testament. When we see the church launched at the very beginning of the book of Acts, this same idea Jesus gives to the church to help them understand what is to be their role in the world. In Acts chapter one, starting verse eight, this is what Jesus says. He said, but you will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. God gives us power. He gives us his presence. He gives us his indwelling spirit for the purpose that we would be a blessing to the world. We are to bring the hope of Jesus to the world. This brings us to our series now. We've been, we're in week number seven of this series that we're calling That's Life, where we've been walking through the book of Colossians. And here's what you need to see. Paul understands more than anybody as a Jewish rabbi and scholar what God is trying to do in the world. And he's trying to help people in the church to understand what is to be their role. And so let's just even think back if we can, if I can like pull a thread through a lot of the things that we've talked about in the book of Colossians so far. We started in chapter one where he talked about the supremacy of Christ. He lifted up who Christ was. And then he talked about what it is that Christ did for us, what he accomplished for us on the cross. 
And then he began to talk about what does this do in us? How does this bless us? It changes us from the inside out. Then when we get to chapter four, Paul's got this blessing strategy in his mind because he knows this is how God works. And so he's giving us some really practical things that we can do to be a blessing to the world around us. Because God's strategy, like I said, is that he wants to do something in you. He wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. And that's where we end up in chapter four here. Paul talking about God's blessing strategy. How do we put radical love in action like Jesus? Colossians chapter four, starting in verse two, I'm gonna read the whole passage and then we're gonna unpack it together. Starting in verse two, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We're gonna walk through an acronym to understand God's blessing strategy. So we're gonna use the acronym BLESS. The first thing that Paul tells us, if you wanna be a blessing to the world, you need to begin with prayer. You need to begin with prayer. Three times in this short little passage, Paul calls us to pray. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door. We need to pray that God would open doors for a message And we need to pray that we would proclaim that message clearly. Paul just simply says, if you're gonna start to be a blessing to the world, you've got to start with prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Paul would say it is way more important for you to think first about talking to Jesus about people before you think about talking to people about Jesus. You need to pray. And here's why I believe that this is so helpful for so many people. Because even this topic that I'm talking about right now, thinking about talking to people about Jesus, sharing our faith with Jesus, there's emotions that this brings up in the hearts and minds of Christ followers. A couple of those emotions, one is fear. You're saying, I want people to find Jesus, I really do, but please, for the love of Jesus, don't ask me to say anything. Don't ask me to speak up. I'm afraid I'll probably just ruin it. I'll probably just say something wrong. There's fear. And then sometimes there can be guilt because there's this thought, I need to do this. I know that God is calling me to do this and I don't do it and I feel guilty. Here's the deal. Paul wants to remove that. He wants to remove fear and guilt because he's trying to help us understand this whole thing of changing people's lives, changing people's hearts, bringing them into a relationship with God, only God can do that. Only God has access to the heart of a human being. Only God can change somebody's heart. We need to be used by God to do that. This is on him. This is how Jesus said it when he was explaining this to his disciples. He says in John 6, 65, he said, he went on to say, meaning Jesus went on to say, this is why I told you, 
that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. No one. God has to do something in somebody's life if they're gonna come to faith in Jesus. But here's the deal. The means, what God chooses as the means to be his spokespeople in the world is us. Only he can do it, but he wants to use us. And so that's why we, our goal, what we need to do is pray, pray, pray. We need to pray for opportunities. We need to pray for open doors. We need to pray that when we actually open our mouth, we're proclaiming who Jesus is in a very clear way. We need to pray. Talk to Jesus about people before you talk to people about Jesus. But here's the deal. When we start to pray and ask God to open doors and give us opportunities, we've got to believe in our heart and mind that God is gonna answer them. If this is the most important thing that God has going on in the planet right now is the redemption of people and he's asking us to pray, we've got to believe God is gonna be actually working in the hearts and the lives of people. But here's the question. How do we know where God is working? And that leads to the second thing that we need to learn to do if we're gonna be a blessing, and that's listen. We need to learn to listen to people. The word that Paul used in the scriptures, he says, be watchful. He's like, pay attention. As you pray, start to pay attention to what's happening around you. Keep your eyes open. Keep your antennas up. Look for me at work. Because if God is drawing people to himself, it's happening. We've got to learn to see it. Where are those open doors? Where do we see a human heart? Here's what we need to do, friends. We need to learn to ask questions and listen. We need to learn to listen to people. Oftentimes when we think about introducing people to Jesus, we just think, I've just got to talk. I gotta talk, I gotta say a lot of things, I gotta say a lot of words, I gotta get every theological idea out there that I have, I've gotta do a lot of talking. Paul would say, start by listening. Learn to listen to people. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Just think for a moment that somebody called you right now and they wanted to come to wherever you are, here at the commons or at your home or at your campsite, wherever you are, they wanted to come to you. And they wanted directions from you. What would be the very first question that you would need to ask them? You need to say, well, where are you? Help me understand where you're at and that I can help you get to where I'm at. That's the principle that we've got to have in our mind as we think about sharing Jesus with people. We've got to understand where they're at. Where are they at on their spiritual journey? What is happening in their heart right now if we're gonna be able to lead them to a different place, to lead them to the feet of Jesus? You need to listen to their history. You need to know the things that God has been doing in their life over time. You need to know their hurts. You need to know their hangups. What are those things that might be keeping them from a relationship with Jesus right now? You need to understand their hopes what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they want in life? And when you understand those things, their history and their hurt and their hangups and their hopes, you can speak the greatest message ever announced into their life using their language. You will know how to speak to them. And when you listen, and when you listen, there's two ears that you have, so you gotta listen with both of them. Here's how I want you to think about it. Think of having one ear to heaven. 
Because if God's the one that is working in the life of a person, we need to ask him, what do you need me to know? Is there some insight that you can give me, some discernment you can give me, some wisdom to help me know how to connect and relate to them? But we also need to have one ear to the person, listening to them, one ear to God, one ear to the person, asking questions and listening. In your notes page, I gave you some example questions. I, I think you could ask any type of question. My, my kind of go-to move, I would say, is just to ask people a simple question like, where are you at on your spiritual journey right now? It's a super easy question. It's only one thing. I can throw it out and they can respond. And then I just listen. What is it that is happening in and around their life? Just yesterday, uh, I couldn't make this up. Just yesterday, I'm at the gym because um, obviously I got to get to the gym because I'm smaller than everybody thinks I really am. So I got to work out. So I'm at the gym and I'm having a conversation with a guy and I, I probably know him about this much. We've had just a handful of small interactions over time. But as we were sitting there in the locker room, he asked me just a simple question about, now how was it that you became a pastor? So I just kind of shared it with him a little bit. And then I just thought, maybe this is an open door. So I threw that question out to him. I said, well, well, tell me a little bit about your spiritual journey. This was his response. He said, I don't know if I have a spiritual journey, but I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about, I've been reading the Bible a little bit. Uh, I've been trying to pray a little bit, but I don't know if I have a spiritual journey. You know my response to him? I said, well, well good luck with that. And I walked away. No, I didn't. Come on, you guys. Come on. It hasn't been that long since you've been here. No, I just said to him, I would love to hear what's happening in your life. I'd love to hear more about your spiritual journey. And his response was like, what are you doing today? And my first thought was, uh, i am got to finish my sermon and actually you might be in my sermon uh, because this is what I'm talking about an opportunity, an open door. And so we exchange numbers and we're gonna get together this week and just talk about what's happening in his life, where he's at on his spiritual journey. If we're gonna pray and ask God for opportunities, we've got to learn to listen, ask questions and listen. Because here's what you have to understand is nobody's journey to Jesus is exactly the same. Jesus does it different for everybody. There's probably some themes and some overlap but Jesus is so personal that we can't just say, I've got to say all the same things to all the same people. Jesus is that personal with us. Don't assume that you've got some kind of formula that you can implement to bring them to the feet of Jesus. You've got to ask questions and listen where they're coming from. And, I, and I've got to say this, and it, it probably just is rooted more in my own story than anything else. Uh, don't assume that you know where someone is at on their spiritual journey based on their lifestyle or decisions that you see them making. When I think about my own life, when I was a college student, I imagine that the people that were around my life and knew me that were followers of Jesus, it would have been so easy for them to say, I see what he's about. I see what he's up to. That guy's interested in a lot of things and I don't think Jesus is one of them. If they look just at my lifestyle, that's what they would think. But what they didn't see was this guy that would lay alone on his bed just watching the numbers change on his little red digital clock. Tears, wondering, is this all that life is about? There's got to be more to life than this. And I'm so grateful 
that there were people that loved Jesus enough and loved me enough that they were able to look past that and initiate with me and begin to talk with me and ask me questions about where I was at because when they shared the good news with me, I jumped at the chance to have a real relationship with Jesus. Don't assume that you know anything about where somebody is at on their spiritual journey. Ask questions and listen. Listen before you speak. Third thing we need to do, the E, is engage. And I have parentheses in there, eat. I like to eat. Verse five, Paul says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. And now when, when we say that word outsiders, it almost seems like it's like, like people that are like outside of our life, like, like, like us and them. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's like, these are people that are a part of your life, around your life, in and around your life. But they're outside the family of God. And your heart is for them. You want them to become part of the family of God. So when he says outsiders, it's not people that are distanced from you. It's people that are up close and personal, but you have a deep heart for them. It says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Friends, if you pray, like if you take God up on his prayer, his invitation to pray for opportunities and open doors, God is gonna answer your prayers. Look for those opportunities and take them. You've gotta be intentional. You've gotta make time and space in your life for people. And that's why with engage, I also said eat. What a great opportunity. Just think about the number of meals that you eat in a week. What if, what if each week you said, you know, I'm gonna have one meal each week with someone that's in and around my world that doesn't know Jesus. And I'm just gonna ask questions and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna get to know where they're at on their spiritual journey and look for an opportunity. We've got to engage. And if I were, I would add eat, but I would also add another E, espresso. That's our culture, isn't it? Let's have coffee with people. I think Jesus would absolutely love a caramel macchiato, don't you think? Let's meet with people. Let's have coffee with people. Let's take time for people. We've got to make room in our life. We've got to engage. But when we choose to engage with people, there's a way that we need to learn to talk to people. And here's what Paul talks about. He says, you need to have salty language. You need to have some salty language. Here's what Paul says, verse six. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now that, that euphemism, salty language, it has different meanings at different times. Like if I went home today uh, and my son was there and he told my daughter, dad's pretty salty today. What would he be saying? He'd be saying, dad's kind of grumpy. Dad's a little irritated. Dad's a little bit frustrated. You can tell by the way he's talking, dad's a little salty. Probably 50 years ago, if you were referred to salty language, you were probably talking about someone who talked like what they would say a sailor that was associated with salty air, salty language, a little bit racy, maybe a little bit vulgar. This was one of the most interesting things that I read in the commentaries around this passage of scripture. The euphemism that Paul is using here that says seasoned with salt actually meant speak in a way that is fun. Speak in a way that is fun. Even words like witty or amusing, clever or humorous. What Paul is saying is, do not, please do not take the most powerful message ever and communicate it in the most boring way possible. 
have fun. Be excited about who Jesus is and what it is that he's done in your life. But it's kind of an interesting thing about salt. Salt, you've got to use the right amount if you're gonna season something with salt, am I right? Like, you've gotta use some. You've gotta get the salt out of the shaker because to to keep it in there would be kind of that picture of like not saying anything to anybody. And that might be some of us. I'm just not gonna say anything to anybody as to not offend someone. We need to get out of the shaker. But imagine if I took the lid off and I just dumped this whole thing onto my corn on the cob. It would ruin it. Salt, you've got to use the right amount of salt. You've got to say something, but you've got to say the right amount in the right way. And when Paul is talking about what it means to speak salty, he uses a word that has to be captured in our salt, and that's the word grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace. What's Paul talking about there? There's a couple of ways you could look at this. Is he talking about human graciousness? Like we just need to talk about, talk in gracious ways, kind ways to people. I think absolutely that could be what he's talking about. But also he could be talking about we need to speak of the grace of God. What it is that God has done for us in a powerful, powerful way that changes our life. Not because we deserved anything, but because God did something for us. Do we talk about God's grace? Is it one or the other? And as I reflected on this this week, I just came to the conclusion that I think it's absolutely both. Because I think those two things exist together. People that understand the magnitude of what Jesus has done for them, even though they didn't deserve it, They become the most gracious people when they talk about the gospel, when they talk about Jesus, because they realize I'm not smarter than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I'm just a beggar teaching another beggar where I found bread. There's no sense of superiority. That's what Paul is talking about for us, that we would look at people And we would say, I'm not better, I'm not smarter, I'm not more deserving. And I would be gracious in the way that I communicate. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, if you were around, uh, the beginning, uh, actually kind of the middle of Colossians chapter three, Paul talks about what are the things that start to characterize the life and the heart of a follower of Jesus. At the very end, Verse 12, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he said, clothe yourselves. He said, put on clothes that are characterized by these things. And friends, this is what you need to understand. Someone that understands the graciousness of God toward them, these are gonna be the things that flow out of their life. Compassion, kindness, Humility, I'm not better than anyone. I'm not more deserving. There's gonna be gentleness. There's gonna be patience. There's gonna be forbearance. There's gonna be forgiveness toward people around us. Those that have experienced these things from God, extend those to other people. We need to understand the magnitude of God's grace in our life. Here's what happens, in my opinion, when we don't do that. When we lose sight of our desperate need for God. 
when we lose sight of the fact that the only reason that we have anything from him is because of his goodness, we start to look at other people in different ways. It kind of becomes an us versus them. And these are the kinds of things that start to come out of our life. We can be judgmental. I'm better than them. They shouldn't do that. We can be self-righteous. We can be exclusive. You're over there. I'm over here. We can become arrogant about what we think we might have done for ourselves when it's only been God. We can become angry. We can become hypocritical. And we can become boring. Boring about the greatest thing that has ever happened in our life. When this was sitting at my house on the kitchen table, my wife came in and just said, I hope that's for a sermon and not for me. I said, well, happy anniversary, honey. (laughs) Friends, here's what needs to happen. This needs to go away. And it needs to be clothed with this. When we understand the grace of God, when we understand the magnitude of what he has done for us. I've got to be, I guess I just have to be honest, that second shirt, I think we see way too much of this in the church. I think people talk to people in these ways. They think that the people that think differently than them, that maybe look differently than them, act differently than them, it's like somehow they're the enemy of the gospel. Friends, they are not the enemy of the gospel. They are the audience for the gospel. Those are the people that Jesus came and died for. We need to treat them with the same compassion that Jesus treated you with. You hear me? We need to be gracious. The last S, you need to learn to share your story. Share your story. I'm just asking you, share your story. And when I say that, I mean just tell people. This is what Jesus has done in my life. This is who he is. This is what he's done for me. This is how I've experienced him. You know, you can share your story. You don't need a theological degree in order to do that. You don't need to know the answer to every possible question that someone might ask you about faith. And let me even just say this. You don't have to have the perfect life. Your life doesn't have to be all buttoned up and tidy. But here's what needs to be true. You need to have a real relationship with Jesus. You need to have an understanding of what it is that he has done for you. And when you share your story, share the things that are hard. Share the struggles, share the doubts. We all have them. Every one of us struggle. Every one of us have doubts. Share those things as well. People are looking for authenticity, not perfection. And let me say this, when you share your story, do everything you can always to keep the focus on Jesus. Keep the focus on Jesus and Jesus alone and what he's done and how you've experienced him. Because these conversations can go in a lot of different directions. Let me tell you this, if you're in a conversation and you're wanting to talk with people about Jesus and suddenly you find yourself talking about politics, you've taken a left turn. You need to turn back and talk about Jesus. If you want to talk about Jesus and you find yourself talking about social issues, you've made a wrong turn somewhere. Bring the conversation back to Jesus. If you're talking about moral issues, if you're talking about religion, if you're talking about even church, you've taken a wrong turn. 
We are not here to try to invite people just to come to church. We're to invite people to the feet of Jesus. People may have lots of church wounds in their life. Keep the focus on Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Several years ago, uh, quite a few years ago now, I had the opportunity uh, to speak at a, a Greek conference, not Greek ethnically, but Greek as in fraternity and sorority, uh, men and women. Uh, and at this conference, uh, one of the things that happens is you're speaking about things related to faith, and there's just always a spectrum of people that are there, people that have faith in Jesus and people that don't. And oftentimes people that don't have faith in Jesus, they'll just say, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to ask some questions. Well, this young man uh, began to ask me or asked if we could get together and he could ask some questions. And I said, absolutely, I would love to do that. Uh, So we sat in the lobby of the hotel that we were at and he was asking questions, great questions. And then we got to the very end and he said, I have one more question for you. And I could just tell like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the big one. This is the question. It's probably going to take me to the limits of my theological understanding. And I may or may not be able to answer it. Lord, give me insight into what it is that he's going to ask me. He got really serious and he looked across the table at me and he said, if I give my life to Jesus, do I have to quit smoking pot? That was, that was, that was the mother load. That was the question. I want you to step back. What would you say? What would you say to someone that like, this is seeming to them like maybe the biggest barrier that they might be up against coming to Jesus? I I probably have opinions on him smoking pot or not. Here's the deal. You may not, you might not even agree with what I said, but this is what I, actually it's not even what I said, but what I did. I immediately started laughing. I just thought that is hilarious to me that of all the things that could be out there that might be keeping him from a relationship with Jesus, it was smoking pot in his mind. I answered his question by saying, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what to do with the whole pot thing. And this guy, uh, I didn't share this earlier at the nine o'clock, but I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's a dad, he's got kids, he's in full-time ministry now. But there was a time where the biggest thing that was keeping him potentially from a relationship with Jesus was what he would have to do with pot. I'm so glad when I look back that I didn't make the conversation about pot, I made the conversation about Jesus, who he is and what he did for you. Put your life in his hands, trust him with everything that you've got and he'll lead you. Friends, that's what we want to do for people. Share our story, keep the focus on Jesus, who he is and what he's done. So where's this land for you? What's your next step? Maybe in this room, maybe someone that's watching online, your next step is to receive the blessing that Jesus offers by his death, burial, and resurrection for you. You've been trying to do it on your own forever. And the biblical word is repent. It means just turn. Turn from trying to do this on your own. Turn toward Jesus. Surrender your life to him and receive the blessing. Maybe that's your first step today. Just receive him. Say yes to him. Make him your king. Make him your boss. Give him everything. Say, I will follow you, Jesus. You call the shots. Do it today. Don't wait. Maybe today is your day. For some of you, you might be thinking about people that are in your life, 
in your world right now that you would love to see them come into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe your first thing that you gotta do is you just gotta begin to pray. Just realize that it's not on you, it's on him. That's why God is asking us to pray. Put it in his hands. Maybe some of you are thinking, you gotta learn to listen. You just talk too much. You talk at people about things, about Jesus. Learn to listen, learn to understand where they're coming from. Maybe for some of you it is, it's engaged. I've just gotta make time, I've gotta move toward people. Some of you might need just need to salty up your language a little bit. Salted with the beautiful grace of God. Talk about God's grace and share your story. Share your story about who Jesus is and how you've experienced him. Because journey, those of you that are here that are followers of Jesus, you've been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. And I thought about this when Brian earlier talked about that there were 5,000 people that watched at Easter. And I just began to think a little bit. What if every person of those 5,000 said this week, I'm gonna move toward one person. I'm gonna begin to pray. I'm gonna begin to listen. I'm gonna engage. I'm gonna talk about the grace of God and I'm gonna share my story with one person. 5,000 plus people will get a chance to say yes to Jesus. Journey, if we engage, if we go after this not just this week, but as a lifestyle, we can change our valley. We can change our world. Jesus took 12 ragtag men and he turned the world upside down. But we've got to say, I have been blessed so that I can be a blessing. Let's pray. God, I just wanna say thank you. Jesus, I wanna say thank you that you've invited us into what you're doing in the world. Redeeming people back to a relationship with you. You could do it however you want, but you've chosen to use us as your spokespeople, as your mouthpiece of the beautiful grace that you've extended to us. Jesus, would we hold that as a beautiful treasure? Would we hold it out to people? Jesus, we've been blessed by you. Help us to be a blessing. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.